So I'm just going to pray and let's get stuck straight in. Father, we just thank you for the way you've already been speaking to us by your Spirit this morning. Thank you for that reminder of our identity that we are first and foremost your children, dearly loved by you. What an amazing truth that is to stand here today and say, I am loved by the King of Kings, by the Creator of heaven and earth, by the Lord of Lords. We love you. We just pray, Holy Spirit, will you just open our hearts to hear what you're wanting to say. Give us fresh revelation of your truth. Amen. This morning's title is Praying for Revelation. Praying for Revelation. I think one of the, possibly the biggest lessons that I've learned, particularly in the context of leadership, is that it's not enough just to know the what and the how of what we do as individuals and as a church, but actually we need to understand the why of what we're doing. Why do we do what we do? Why are we called to what we're called to? You know, without the why, we can just blindly go through the motions. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to do it. But it's just going through the motions unless we get the heart of the why. It boils down to vision, doesn't it? It boils down to revelation, if you like. And the Bible reveals to us very clearly that the why of what we do is all wrapped up in God's love for us and his desire for an ever-deepening relationship with us. I'm so glad we started off singing that good, good father because that is the why. This is the great why of our Christian life that motivates us to do what we do because we are loved by our heavenly father. He desires a relationship with us. This is, you know, and you can apply that to every area of your life, really. I mean, it's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5. It's Christ's love that compels me. This is the why that God has revealed to us in his words. You know, we know that we should spend time praying and reading the Bible You know, that's the what, how, well, as often as you can. But the why is because God wants a relationship with his children that he loves. That's the why. We know we should be generous with our finances and generous with our time. The why is because God has held nothing back from us. He has given us everything. Freely we've received. Therefore, freely we give. We know we should forgive. The why can be quite a question at times, can't it? Why should I forgive? The why is because God, in his great love and mercy, has forgiven us. It's all rooted in the love of the Father. Why should we live upright and godly lives? We know we should. Why? Because Jesus, in his great love, went to the cross, died in our place to free us from the grip of sin. To free us from shame and guilt. That's the why. Why should we gather as Christians? Why should we come to, on a Sunday or whenever and gather as church? Why? Because 
On the cross, Jesus didn't just unite us with the Father, but he also united us with one another. And we're to reveal that same love to one another in the context of community. That's the why. So that the world might know that he has sent us. It's all wrapped up in the love of God and his desire for relationship with us. And I don't know about you, but I need reminding of this why, if you like, constantly. I need this fresh revelation of God's love for me. Fresh revelation of who I am in him. Constantly refreshed. Without this growing, deepening revelation of the Father's love, our, our walk with him, our faith, can seem a bit dry. If we're honest, can, can feel a bit dead at times. Maybe you're, you're in that place this morning. Maybe you're, you feel like you're kind of going through the motions a little bit. You may be great at doing the what and the how, but maybe the why has got a bit fuzzy. A little bit fuzzy. Well, the prayer that we're about to read is for you. Is for you. In fact, actually, it's for all of us. Because wherever you're at with your relationship with God, God calls us to go deeper again. I mean, half of what we were singing, in fact, most of what we were singing this morning, is, is so key to what we're looking at. He's wanting that deepening relationship. And there's some wonderful prayers in the New Testament, and this is certainly no exception. This is what Paul prays for you. Okay, we're going to read Ephesians 1 from verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Isn't that amazing? For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What a wonderful prayer to pray. God, give us this fresh revelation even this morning by your spirit. Come and enlighten our, our, our hearts. Come and open our eyes that we may see you more clearly and know you more deeply. Amen. So, Paul is, if we break this down, Paul is praying for, for, court, for four key things for us in this prayer. The first up is a, just a fresh revelation of the Father, so that you might know him better. And this isn't just some sort of head knowledge. 
but a deeply intimate, personal relationship that he desires with you. You know, notice Paul doesn't say we get this knowledge by studying hard. But actually, it's something that can only come from revelation by the Holy Spirit. It's something that God does. He reveals his heart of love to us by his Holy Spirit. It comes by revelation. And often that truth then, once we get that truth, that then leads us to want to find out more and to study. But it starts with a revelation. It starts by praying for the Spirit, capital S, of wisdom and revelation. Do you pray for that? God, give me a fresh revelation of you, of your love for me, of your awesome power, of your strength, of your sovereignty. Give me fresh revelation. If you remember when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? It was interesting because when Peter responded, you know, one of the rare times he doesn't put his foot in his mouth, he actually gets it spot on. He says, you are the Messiah. You're our savior. You are son of the living God. And Jesus replies by saying, blessed are you because this wasn't revealed by flesh and blood but by my Father in heaven. In other words, it was a spiritual revelation that Peter received about the nature and character of God revealed in Jesus. Contrast that to the, to the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They, they were full of head knowledge. They were experts about God. You know, if they, if they had masterminds, they, they would have their specialist subject would have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the law. They would have won mastermind hands down. They were experts at knowing about God. But what becomes abundantly clear as you read through the Gospels is that while they knew a lot about God, they didn't know him personally. They didn't know him personally. In fact... Their hearts were closed to this revelation of God in Jesus. They were closed to it. If you like, they knew the what and the how of living outwardly holy lives, at least. They didn't know the why. They didn't know God's heart. They didn't know him. They didn't know him. They didn't receive that revelation I read a story, I don't know if you saw it, it was in the papers a couple of years ago, um, about a Japanese truck driver who, at the age of 60, discovered that he had accidentally been swapped at birth in the hospital. He suddenly realized that the person who had raised him all those years was not, in fact, his mum. And the life he had lived was one of great hardship and struggle. His mum was a single parent. They grew up in a one-room apartment, struggling to make ends meet on state handouts. He'd gone to night school to try and get an education whilst working during the day to try and bring in some income to his family. It was a very tough life. He then finds out, at the age of 60, that his real parents were incredibly wealthy incredibly successful. 
Their kids lacked for nothing. They went to the best schools, the best universities. In fact, the child he was accidentally swapped with, I think they were 13 minutes apart of the birth, he is now a CEO of a property investment company, very successful, very wealthy. And the error came to light uh, through DNA tests when this other guy's brothers, who had always been a bit suspicious about their brother because he looked nothing like them, when their parents died, they decided to do a DNA test. And then the truth came out. How different life would have been for this truck driver if his real identity had been discovered years earlier. And in fact, the papers reported that he, he had taken this news with, with masses of grace. You know, he was very grateful to the woman who raised him in extreme challenges. But he was reported as saying, if only I could turn back time. He felt robbed. Not for the, for the wealth, because actually he got quite well compensated for the mistake. But it was the fact that he would never know, A, his biological parents, that grieved him, never knew my real parents, but also that he would never know the life that could and should have been his. Never knew that life that should have been his. Talk about a revelation. But the truth is, I believe, too many Christians live like that truck driver, unaware of their true identity, robbed, if you like, of what is rightfully theirs in Christ, robbed of the blessings that Kieran was talking about, the fact that actually we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Isn't that incredible? This is your identity. You know, they, they can grow, go through life never experiencing the fullness of this new life that is ours in Christ. You know, we don't need DNA tests. We, we've got adoption papers, if you like. This word, this is our adoption paper. It, it's signed in the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. We're, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Our identity, if you are a follower of Christ, is that you are a child of God. And that means you have an inheritance. That means you can enter into a life that is rightfully yours. Don't allow this world and don't allow the enemy's lies to rob you of this true identity and live a life like that truck driver. So Paul here is praying for this revelation that we will really know our true father in heaven. Not just in the head, but in the heart revealed by the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that truck driver could and, and probably did find out lots of facts about his parents. He could have looked at photos, asked his biological brothers, you know, what were they like? What were their dislikes? What were their likes? What, what was their character like? He, he could get to, to know a lot of facts about them, but it wasn't the same as knowing them personally. And again, we can fill our, our minds with tons of theology, and tons of facts about God. But as someone once said, if we divorce theology from the Spirit, we have doctrine as straight as the barrel of a gun and just as empty. 
just as empty. Without the Holy Spirit's revelation of, of God's love for us, we're empty. We're empty. That's why Romans 5, 5 says, God's love is poured, poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's not just about knowing it in the head. It's about experiencing it in the heart. This is the revelation that Paul is praying for us. You know, God wants us to know him personally. He wants us to know him as, as the good shepherd. He wants us to know him as the father who is running towards you with arms open wide, whose love we can never be separated from, whose everlasting arms never grow weary and never tire of, of holding you. Isn't that amazing? Whose, whose promises never change over you, whose faithfulness is always true, whose plans are always good and are always for a purpose. <laughs> you know, he is a God who prays over you. He is a God who sings over you. He is a God who delights in you. Receive that revelation afresh this morning. What a father we have. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul then goes on to uh, basically pray for specific blessings that come out of that loving, deepening relationship. And the first one he prays for is hope. May you be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. If you were with us over Christmas, you'll know that we looked at hope as part of our Advent series. And uh, we saw how Christian hope is totally different from the way we kind of use hope today. You know, usually that's, that's like a, a hope based on blind optimism. Our hope, Sutton will beat Arsenal. blind optimism. But you know what? Christian hope is a hope with substance. And that substance is faith. Faith in the, the sovereignty and the faithfulness and the goodness and the power of God. It's, it's the fist in the glove, if you remember. We can have this confident expectation in God. And in fact, Ephesians 2.12 says that we have been called from a life of no hope, of hopelessness, that's what you've been called from, into, here we're reading, we have been called to a life of hope. A life of hope is what you have been called to. It is what you can and should experience as part of this growing, deepening relationship with God. It's a hope, as we saw, that acts as an anchor for the soul. The soul is our, our inner being, our inner person, our will, our emotions, if you like. Who here knows that they need an anchor for their soul? I certainly do. I need an anchor for when the storms of life hit me. I need an anchor when, when circumstances threaten to swamp me and try and drown me. We can know a, a security and an assurance and a confidence that holds us firm. 
won't let go. Keeps us from drifting. Keeps us from going onto the rocks. We've got an anchor. It's called hope in God. Hope in God. This is the life of hope to which we are called. And this is full of hope, isn't it? You know, no, we- no weapon formed against me will prosper. You know, we, we, if God is for us, we sing it, don't we? Who can be against us? In every circumstance of life, you are with me. You are with me. As I said, we're, we're constantly held in the everlasting arms of God. He is our anchor. He is our hope. Thirdly, Paul prays that we might know the glory of our inheritance, the Father's inheritance. I don't think we talk about our inheritance enough, probably. We don't talk about where we're going and what's waiting for us when we get there, probably enough. The thing is, whatever you're facing now, whatever circumstances you're dealing with and struggling with, as a follower of Jesus, you have a glorious inheritance waiting for you that will never fade, spoil, or perish. It's already won. It's done deal. It's there. This summer, incredibly, someone is paying for us as a family to go with them to Disneyland, Florida. So um, how about that? You feeling envious? No, that's not the point. But to get there, we have to go on a plane, and Mike knows all about wonderful plane journeys. And we've got to sit in a tiny, cramped seat. The seats seem to be getting smaller. I don't think I'm growing, but the seats are getting smaller and smaller, aren't they? We cram ourselves into these tiny little seats, uh, hoping that our checked-in baggage is actually on the same plane and not heading in the opposite direction. We, we, we try and eat plastic-tasting food with with plastic little knives and forks that seem to shatter when you're trying to eat a jelly or something. And all this is going on, and you know that just a few feet in front of you, there are people in business class stretching out on, on, on seats that become beds and eating or drinking wine from real glasses. And I don't want to sound ungrateful at all. But the truth is, the journey isn't the main thing, is it? It's all about the destination. It's about the destination. And we are going to be heading in the summer to a place that is tailor-made for fun, built from the ground up for fun, for, for kids and for big kids. It's all about the destination. That's why we squash ourselves into little metal tubes and fly halfway around the world. Because it's about the destination. And, and this is kind of how Paul is, is wanting us and challenging us to live with one eye on the destination. Because our view of the destination affects our view of the journey. And the Bible talks a lot about our destination. Describes it as beyond imagination. 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It's unimaginable. Ben, this week actually, we were talking about it, and um, his first question about heaven was, are there going to be Xboxes in heaven? Because I don't know if I'm going to like it. 
if there's not going to be any Xboxes. Or maybe they've got PlayStation. Yeah, maybe they've got PlayStations in heaven. And I mean, the only thing I could say in, in response is, Ben, you, you know the, the, the joy and the buzz and the pleasure that you get out of playing your Xbox. You, you know the excitement of when you get a new game. Bottle that up, multiply it by a million, and maybe you'll get a small taste of the joy of heaven awaiting you. That's all I could think of, because really, we can't imagine it. We can't imagine it. But it is beyond our wildest dreams. It's beyond our imagination. I I always like the way C.S. Lewis wraps up the Chronicles of Narnia. He says this. He says, all their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and every chapter is better than the one before. I love that idea, this concept. This life that we we kind of, it's just, is all-encompassing so often. It's just the title page. It's just the cover of an eternity that just gets better and better and better. It's so glorious, we can't even imagine it. So again, we need a revelation from the Holy Spirit of this incredible inheritance. There was this, this revelation of eternity that enabled Paul to say, for our light and momentary troubles, in other words, beatings, shipwrecks, and imprisonment, They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Far outweighs them all. And again, Romans 8, 17, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, it's in order that we might also share in his glory. He has one eye on on his inheritance, one eye on eternity. Our view of our destination massively impacts our view of the journey. Finally, Paul prays that we may know the greatness of the Father's power, this incomparably great power for us who believe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that ascended him to the right hand of God. The same power that is above all other rule, all other authority, the power that has made everything else under his feet. This is the power that is available to us. We need more of this power, don't we? We need to see God break through in situations. We need to see God break through in healings. We need to see God break through in salvation. God, we need your power. We need your power. You know, I've got a new phone. And it's amazing. It goes for almost, it feels like weeks without needing to be charged. The battery is incredible. It's not yours, though. The only problem is I keep on forgetting where I've put the charger because I just don't use it as much. I'm like, where on earth did I put the charger? You know, in comparison to my old phone that constantly needed charging, that you unplug the charger and battery just died. It was so leaky. The first thing I used to do was walk into anyone's house and go, you got a socket, I just need to plug my phone in. It needed to be constantly connected to the mains because the battery was so leaky. And I think, I believe that as Christians, we are more like my old mobile phone 
But I often think that we like to think of ourselves as my new mobile phone. That, you know what? The truth is we need to be continually connected to the source of power. We need to be continually connected to God. But we can get very complacent, and it can be days without really connecting with God at all without really seeking his power. In fact, we can get so out of the habit that it can almost feel a bit awkward, a bit odd when we try and reconnect with him. Can I just encourage us? We've got this power available for our daily lives. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is described as a down payment. We should be making daily withdrawals on this down payment. We need to keep on drawing from this incredible source of power that is ours power to overcome sin power to break through in our struggles power to heal power to set us free power to breathe that life afresh back into our hearts power to give that spark back if you lost that spark this morning paul is praying that's my prayer as well god we need your power Bring fresh revelation of this power in Jesus' name. So to conclude, Paul is basically praying for revelation for us as a church. And it's rooted in the fact that, he's, that God is calling you to an ever-deepening relationship with him. He doesn't want you to live like that truck driver. Just going through life impoverished. And struggling, not knowing, not being aware of your true identity and what is rightfully yours. Let's receive this revelation from the Father afresh today. He's a Father who loves you and wants a relationship with you. He wants to envelop you in his arms like Kieran's doing there to Aaron. We can be grisly, we can be crying. He just wants to love you. He wants to birth new hope in you. He wants you to know you have an inheritance in him that will never diminish. And he wants you to know this incomparably great power at work in you and through you. Folks, this is the life we are called to. A transformed life. And I just want us to respond to this now. We're going to take communion together. Um, maybe if the band could come back, we're going to worship. But what I'd like us to do is, I'm going to pray over us. And then what I'd like you to do is come forward and take the bread and the juice. And maybe if the prayer ministry team could come forward now as well. If you would like to come forward, take the bread and the wine. If you would like prayer then please, after you've taken the bread and the juice, go to the prayer, one of the prayer ministry team and ask them to pray with you. Maybe you need some hope this morning, just a fresh revelation of hope. Maybe you know that the why has all got a bit fuzzy. You, you've gone a bit dry at the moment. God, give me a fresh revelation of your love. Maybe you just are very aware you need more of God's power in your life. As you come forward and take the bread and the juice, please go to one of the prayer ministry team and receive prayer. Let's all stand, if you're able. Prayer ministry team, come forward now. If someone could just man the... Um
one of the stewards. Thank you, Ed. And as we start singing, do come forward, but I'm just going to pray over us. You know, I'm just reminded of those disciples on the Emmaus Road, that their eyes were opened as Jesus broke bread before them. Father, I just pray, Lord, as we come and take communion, that our eyes will be opened afresh to your love, to the hope that we have in you, to the inheritance and the power that is ours in Christ. Open our eyes and bring fresh revelation by your spirit, we ask. I'm just going to pray this over us. Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in your saints and your incomparably great power for us who believe. Come by your spirit, Lord, and bring that revelation afresh. Amen. Amen.